I'm excited to host uh, this uh, beautiful morning, Eric Sloan, the Chief Revenue Officer of the Neo Exchange. Uh, he's a good friend and a great executive, uh, someone that knows everyone that is everyone at um, Bay Street and uh, whenever, and frankly, throughout the financial circles in Canada. So every time I uh, need to talk to somebody from the financial circles, I say, Eric knows them. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, we've collaborated a lot together and I've learned a lot from this gentleman. And I thought, what a great guest to have on the podcast that everyone else can learn a little bit from. So on that note, I will start with a few questions just so that everyone can get to know Eric a little bit more. So Eric, welcome. And tell us a bit about yourself. Who is Eric Sloan? Oh, thank you, Gary, and uh, pleased to be here and, and great to catch up uh, as, as always and looking forward to uh, seeing you again uh, next week. Uh, who, who am I? I've been uh, in, in this industry for a, a very long time. I think I'm coming up on uh, 20 at, at some point very shortly. Um, always, always had a joy and a, a passion for, uh, for finance, for financial markets, but to my, my study and, and training uh, was in economics. More on that, the numbers side, I always uh, kind of joke if somebody told me that uh, economics was all algebra and math, may not have done it. You know, those first couple of years with pictures and charts, those were easy enough to, to follow along, but very quickly turned into the, the Greek alphabet for the, the last couple of years. Um, but always had a passion for computers and, and technology and, and found a, a real interest in bringing those two things together uh, in, in current role and obviously in, in the effort uh, I've enjoyed with uh, exchanges in, in Canada over the last two decades. Uh, separate from that, you know, I love people. I'm a natural extrovert, extrovert uh, enjoy conversation, meeting people that, that brings energy to me. Uh, on occasion, I like some quiet time uh, on my own, but uh, a few fun hobbies. Always had a passion for extreme sports, uh, wakeboarding, wake surfing, skiing, uh, anything that kind of gives you that, that energy high or, or rush. I'm, I'm all over it. So, little little bit about me. That is good to know. And in fact, uh, I will get back to, uh, to, those, uh, to those hobbies a bit later in, uh, in our chat. Eric, I know very well that you are a morning person, part of the reason why we, why we are doing this podcast at 8 a.m. Uh, and tell me a bit about your morning routine. What is, uh, how, do, how does Eric become the energizer bunny that he is uh, later in the day with that morning routine? Well, mornings, uh, morning starts with uh, a good espresso uh, to start the day, probably two, uh, before you start staring. Uh, at, at anything that, that could be uh, deemed productive, but uh, coffee for me is, is a must. Uh, it's it's a, a non-negotiable uh, object, and if, if it's a weekend and there's no coffee, it's also problematic. So a good coffee machine, uh, good beans, and, and a good espresso to start the day, uh, critical for me. I like to spend a few minutes just thinking about all the stuff I need to do, and uh, there's never a shortage, so it's, it's about trimming back on what has to get done, uh, what you've committed uh, to people to get done, and what ultimately can wait uh, until later in the day. But as you said, uh, maybe first and foremost, I'm a morning person, so I find mornings for me uh, the most productive window to do some of that really deep thinking, uh, ultimately things that require just brain cells stitched together, detail-oriented work. Uh, if that's not done by 9 o'clock, odds are it's not happening uh, today, and it'll be uh, an attempt again tomorrow. 
and that's that explains a lot of the the momentum that you have throughout the day so i appreciate that background i'm switching gears a little bit still in the process of getting to know eric what is your favorite childhood memory Ooh. Ooh, I've got uh, I've got two two good ones there. Uh, you know, I, I never never forget uh, one in particular. Summers uh, for me, especially as I was growing up as a, a kid, uh, I used to get really excited when my family had uh, a place uh, north of the city on the lake, and I distinctly remember always wanting to go out uh, fishing first thing Saturday and Sunday mornings and. My, my dad, after a, a long uh, week's worth of, of work, he's got some of the same uh, traits and uh, ambitions uh, I do. Uh, never hesitated for a moment, 5.30 in the morning, wake up, time to go fishing on the lake and see what we can catch for the day. But I think he, he quickly uh, learned that for me, it wasn't so much about the fishing as it was about driving the boat. And uh, so we kind of get settled in, fishing rod in, sorted, worm, worm on the hook. And about five minutes later, let's move to this spot. And can I drive? And so those, those for me, uh, kind of priceless moments as a, as a kid. Uh, certainly ones that uh, I treasure. No, and I can really appreciate that, Eric. Uh, great memories. <laughs> and it makes such a difference. That, so, listen, um, becoming the person you are today, there must have been people influencing you. So. If you were to pick up to uh, up to three people um, that have really influenced your life, um, who would they be? Uh, two, two are really easy. Uh, family, family first. My uh, my parents uh, having, you know, prioritized uh, my well-being, uh, my upbringing, uh, my manners, <laughs> uh, all the the things that uh, I think have spilled into every other area of my life. Uh, for, for very different reasons. Uh, my, my mom and, and her family, uh, Maltese uh, by, by origin, and, and ultimately, you know, that, that real kind of family uh, orientation uh, about them, your, your family's number one uh, in life and, and give you and, and do anything they can do to make your, your life better. Uh, she, she's the emotional, caring, uh, driven, driven one that, uh, frankly, made sure I got some of these big life moments uh, achieved. Helping with my homework as, uh, as a kid, made sure I, I chose a, a good school and, and made it to a good university degree uh, program, and just really navigated a lot of those big life decisions where, say, originally was not nearly focused uh, enough on, on those things. I always had good grades, but. Uh, choosing where to go uh, was was never necessarily my, my strong suit uh, growing up, and I think many share that that similar journey, especially when you're you're still growing up and figuring out what you want to do. Um, my dad, you know, instilling that work ethic, that uh, drive, and relentless commitment to uh, achieving an, an end result. Uh, it's, it's work hard, and, and you, you put uh, the two things together, you get this this kind of mix, uh, which I think shows up in pretty well everything uh, I do uh, now and, and certainly uh, through through my career. But we're putting, you know, a third person in, in that chair. Uh, you know, I've spent uh, a lot of time uh, working with uh, our current CEO. And I think, Gary, you, you know, uh, for me, you know, you look at kind of the personal, the professional and, and where you sit today. And I've been uh, very fortunate uh, over the years to have had my uh, career shaped curved uh, and expanded uh, over almost 20 years now 
uh, is a large part as a result of, of his uh, efforts. So our, our CEO, you know, Joss, uh, certainly making that, uh, that third chair uh, for me. Uh, thank you, Eric. And, uh, you know, part of the reason why we do this podcast, we learn a lot about people. And I didn't know about your mother being Maltese. I will uh, use my limited Maltese with you next time I see you. So. Uh, you're you're going to do better than I am. I'm a, a passport and, and citizenship holder. But uh, regrettably, I know some of the uh, less choice language words uh, in Maltese as a result of uh, just catching up of all the wrong language. So I don't know that I'll be able to converse with you, but uh, I'll bring it back with me. <laughs> Uh, Eric, I, I promise I'll get back to your hobbies. So how do you spend your free time and uh, what are some of your favorite hobbies? Uh, depends on the season. Uh, we're, we're Canadians uh, at, at present, despite countries of, of origin. So that means if you uh, enjoy seasons, uh, this country has a lot uh, on offer. Used to ski a lot. I do enjoy it. And I, I do plan on getting uh, back to some of that now that uh, we, we can do so. Uh, skiing for me consumes a, a lot of time in the winter. Uh, used to play a lot of hockey. Uh, love watching it, but uh, don't, don't get to do it uh, nearly often enough. But uh, the summer holds, I think, two really big uh, passions of, of mine. One, I love to scuba dive. So that, that's something that every time I get the chance, uh, traveling, try and work that in, something my, my wife and I uh, enjoy doing together. Uh, we've done some pretty awesome uh, trips just exploring uh, what's beneath the ocean. Uh, but that, that love of water shows up in more community ways. Uh, wake surfing has become uh, a huge, huge passion. It's like yoga for 20 minutes while you uh, ride a, a wave uh, around the lake. And it's uh, it's a great just kind of separation, disappearance. You focus on the one thing that's in front of you. How do you ride that wave so you don't fall and freeze and jumping into the lake? So. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Those, those usually kind of get me both ends of the season. Still haven't figured out what to do with fall and, and spring just yet, but uh, if it means putting on a wetsuit to go surfing, I'm all for it. So. Well, and and uh, doing what you do, I'm sure some of the, the hobbies that are a bit more intensive are a great way to detach because sometimes it's hard to switch gears from, uh, from the day to day. Well, you have to focus, right? Uh, if, if there's uh, an area where you can let your brain explore and, and it doesn't uh, do anything to you, you know, maybe you're not as uh, focused and attentive to what you're doing. So uh, I find something that just to your point, once you disconnect, uh, exactly focus on what you're doing for your own health and safety uh, or otherwise is, is always a good thing. Uh, Eric, switching gears again. So in your role as uh, the chief revenue officer of the New Exchange, uh, Tell us a bit about what that role looks like and how perhaps it has evolved since the early days uh, that, that you, when you started. So my, my Neo 10 year anniversary is actually this April, which is a little scary. Uh, it goes by uh, really, really fast. Um, my, my role as, as CRO uh, has been a, a really exciting evolution over those 10 years and maybe back us up to the beginning. Uh, I started with, with Neo as our, our head of product management, so stitching together uh, the exchange technology, working with our vendors to glue together basically the plumbing uh, of the exchange and, and hand over uh, our trading engine and systems to uh, our, our broader teams at Neo. It was a monumental learning exercise on how do you bring together a team of almost 100 people to deliver this highly complex technology, infrastructure, software solution, and integrate it with uh, 
the exchange fabric that already exists in Canada and has for over 150 years. Uh, that, that taught me a lot about working with people, about achieving results, about what makes people happy, it keeps them motivated and hungry in a very pressure-oriented uh, situation that is delivering on a massive project. And not just for our own team's benefit, but for stakeholders in our business, for people who are expecting us to uh, both meet and exceed uh, expectations. And with the, the knowledge uh, built in product management around how exchanges work, how they operate, how they integrate, uh, I've managed to take uh, on gradual uh, successive roles outside of product management in the sales organization and, and now uh, running effectively our, our sales team for the Neo Exchange here in Toronto. Uh, what that has uh, culminated in is owning the revenue lines of our core business. It's about trading, it's about market data, and it's about our, our listings franchise. You can see behind me, the screen's getting ready for one of our market opens uh, next week, uh, both for exchange traded funds, an area where Gary Yu and, and the Alexa team uh, work super closely with, with us, and the next on corporate listings, the core lifeblood of an exchange. And you know, I, I think the CRO uh, chair for me has been particularly rewarding in large part because I also know a lot about how this world comes together. Uh, it instills uh, a lot of confidence in our partners, trading firms, data vendors, public company CEOs and, and asset managers when we know exactly how shares and money move around between client accounts and uh, their investment management capabilities or investments in public companies and uh, leading through education on the street, being able to talk confidently about exactly the role of an exchange, how we work, what to do and make that really easy for uh, a CEO or, or an ETF manager to follow uh, as a blueprint has been uh, our biggest uh, differentiator, I think, in, in Canada, because we understand it and we're happy to bring that information out with that background uh, developed, try and share that with the team, bring everybody uh, along for the, the journey and, and make sure they all feel as comfortable delivering that exact message uh, out to our clients as, as possible. That, that for me has been single biggest rewarding element of, of the chair today and a bit of a view on how I got here. And now only because it's relevant, but before Neo, uh, can you tell us a bit about what you did? Mm. So NEO was uh, 2013, I guess we, we started working on, on the project to build uh, another competing exchange. Before that, uh, we actually built uh, another stock exchange called the Alpha Exchange, which uh, we, we sold uh, to the, the TMX back in 2012. Uh, spent six or seven years building uh, that business up uh, from scratch, backed by very different uh, shareholders with a very different purpose. And prior to that, uh, consultant with a, a large uh, financial services uh, consulting firm, a global firm, but had the headquarters here in Toronto. And that's uh, a bit how the, the journey started. Uh, but before I knew kind of how uh, this industry worked and, and what was really interesting, spent a bit of time at one of Canada's banks working for a financial advisor and kind of learned a little bit about sales and sales process and how do you build a, a book of business? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? And the one that maybe also due to give some uh, credit for kind of dating myself uh, a small moment, but uh, that passion for entrepreneurship and building something 
it never really disappears. If, if that's in you, you've got it and you, you go. Make you laugh for a moment, uh, kind of early stages uh, of the internet. Uh, you know, I think when, when people used to shop uh, online, uh, they kind of poke around and end up buying stuff in store. I ended up working for this uh, very small startup company at the time. Their, their whole mission was, how do I take coupons that would otherwise be printed in the paper, post them online? We know people like to shop digitally, or at least they did uh, at the time. How do we bring those discounts, those deals out to people who are looking to buy things uh, in person, but want to shop online first and do their comparison shopping? So seen seen a few different uh, iterations to kind of get me to, to where I am today, but uh, I can safely tell you, not not happier anywhere else but but here it's uh, it's a beautiful spot to be well and it's, it's been an amazing uh, trajectory eric so on that note because uh, of the evolution and and uh, how interesting and, and fast it has been what would be one or two initiatives you could talk about that uh at within neo that really contributed to your success if if i were putting two things on the radar uh, one, you know, and it's something Gary, I know you and the team live by, uh, frankly, it's about helping people, uh, whether you're helping your, your teams, uh, deliver on a, an internal project, bringing resources, information, intelligence back to them so that we can make informed decisions as a business or in, in current role, you know, helping CEOs or helping clients solve problems in, in their business, frankly, even if it has nothing to do with ours. Uh, that is uh, one element that uh, continues to build uh, that, that partnership, that trusted advisor uh, element of, of our business and role, frankly, as a, a stock exchange. And good news, it's, it's an innate uh, habit for, for me, uh, sometimes to a fault. I love, love to help. Uh, it is something that I take an enormous uh, amount of pride in and try to do uh, every single day. Um, it's also about doing it well. Uh, you, you can't be everything to everyone. Uh, you can't do a thousand different things in a day. As I was sharing earlier, if something's not done by nine o'clock, it's going to be really difficult to get to it before lunch and even harder to uh, pick it up again before you turn off your machine and, and get some rest. But uh, if you're going to do something, uh, do do it to the very best uh, of your capabilities. There's, there's a barrier there. Uh, I am a perfectionist, but recognizing uh, the barrier between you know, material value add Kind of that 90-10 rule starts to show up at some point where decimal precision doesn't matter as much. It's about a, a bigger outcome and, and a bigger picture. Uh, that, that's been a, an acquired taste uh, of mine, something I've, I've had to learn uh, coming from a very detail-oriented project management and product management capability where commas, periods, uh, decimal places mattered infinitely more uh, than the overall uh, objective at the time. Uh, it changes a bit as you grow, and it certainly changes as the size of your organization scales and expands with you. And I, I can definitely appreciate that, Eric. And uh, it's you've adapted very well uh, to to the to your changes. <laughs> uh, Great partners uh, make it move. It's a lot of fun. Now I know none of this is possible without some challenges along the way. So, what are some challenges that? Um, you'd like to share that you've encountered along the way and potentially how you overcame them? The, the biggest one, I love, love uh, working uh, in, in Canada and with Canadians. 
uh, you think about our uh, economy, uh, the way that as uh, uh, kind of an industry, and, and this applies not only to banking and, and finance, uh, you know, look at our, our telecoms where we've got a handful of very well established, I'll say monopolies, but oligopolies uh, for the economically inclined, probably the most, most accurate. Um, you know, there's a handful of very dominant providers in almost every industry in, in Canada. Uh, every part of your life uh, that you go through personally, you're likely interacting with one of them either by force or, or by choice. Um, exchange world, you know, a bit, uh, a bit the same. And, and for us, breaking open that wedge, finding your first mover partners, people who are prepared ultimately to stick their neck out, whether it's their own individual career risk, personal friendships uh, and, and professional uh, capabilities to help your business get moving the first time. Uh, you know, we, we get really excited with, with first movers uh, because you, you've got a champion, you've got a partner, you've got somebody who is uh, motivated to see both you succeed and hopefully, render your note about good people, also motivated for their own reasons uh, to see their own business grow. And it's not always easy to find those first movers. Uh, sometimes you get, uh, you know, part of the spectrum of really big companies, nothing really to gain from, from working with you. Sometimes you find groups that are a lot smaller than you and frankly need more help uh, from, from you than, and, than you need from them. But uh, in, in any and either case, it's about being a good partner, a good corporate citizen, uh, helping achieve an objective. And we've been very lucky. Uh, with the way that we put our organization together and say luck uh, casually, it can be luck. It uh, often also should be chalked up to a lot of deliberate thinking, discovery, conversations, a lot like this one, where you spend a lot of time getting to know somebody, figure out uh, where there are opportunities to play together and where there's the best mutual and beneficial outcome uh, that you can both work towards and achieve. And it's about being realistic with each other. Uh, you know, this, this actually makes sense to do. Uh, we both have something to gain from doing it. Uh, let, let's go and, and finding those first movers. Think about an exchange where we're three things, trading all day, electronically, market data everywhere, we're listings. But inside each of those groups, there are these almost micro uh, economic or, or social forces that play and, and unique audiences of people you have to get to know, you have to work with, uh, and, and you have to really enjoy spending time in that space to uh, enhance the relationship and make sure that everything you do is kind of lined up with the objective. And getting each of those pillars of the business moving in a way that everybody's happy with is symbiotic and ultimately our, our role. Don't want to say we're the center of the financial universe we're, we're the middle point a lot of things come to us and leave our world and uh, we rely on good stewards of, of our business as corporate clients and, and partners to deliver on their part and frankly make us look good uh, with all of their efforts so it's uh, it's a pretty complex uh, little venn diagram uh, to come to a conclusion on but finding those first movers has absolutely been uh, the, the hardest part along the way and, and putting some deliberate thought to how you're going to do that uh, where I think we've been most successful. And, now, and Eric, very, very uh, valuable insight and I think it'll be beneficial to a lot of our listeners. Along the same lines, uh, considering there will be uh, finance professionals listening to this, what's an important resource that has been very helpful to you um, throughout your career that you could share with the audience if they hey, this resource was really helpful, if any. 
It's something that we, we chat uh, a lot about with our public company CEOs. Um, and I'll, I'll use the anecdote or the, the tie-in uh, in, in proxy to the answer. You know, being the, the CEO of a, a company uh, comes with a, obviously a lot of expected uh, responsibility, pressure, uh, motivation, drive to deliver uh, ultimately. But you know, no one person uh, is going to make that a complete and outright success or frankly guarantee it. Uh, it's about having sound uh, advisors, trusted counsel, a great team. You're, you're in effect a you know, small army uh, that, that needs to achieve an objective, be oriented around a goal. And I use the CEO position uh, deliberately. You know, they've got the management team, people that work with them to achieve an objective. You've got your CFO, somebody watching your numbers. You've got your chief marketing officer helping you share your journey with the world, attract new customers. Uh, you, you have, you know, at our business, your chief operating officer, making sure your armies deliver on technology projects or delivery plans, legal teams, really complex kind of inner organization. You've got your board, uh, trusted advisors that are helping you find your blind spots, solve problems, uh, and partners uh, that, that kind of come together to make it happen. Using the analogy, and, and Gary, something you and I have spent a ton of time working on together. It's also finding good people that are forward and back uh, of your business or, or middle lockstep with you to help figure out you know, reference checks. Who's, who's good people? Who else likes to move in this business? Who likes working with you that we need to keep uh, close to? Because inevitably, we all try and achieve the same objective for uh, a client. It all comes down to one thing, success for a company or, or an ETF or a listing uh, towards the business. And you want to know who's who's on your team, uh, whether they work with you, for you, or across the street from you. Who is your champion outside the office that is going to help you advance your, your mission? And also, whose advisor are you? Who are you helping uh, along the way? A bit about knowing who stands to benefit from, from conversations and what you can achieve together. That, that for me, continues to be probably the most critical thing uh, in, in our business that is not just a point in time exercise. Uh, it's something that you continuously kind of sit back, take a look, you want to do something different. Who do I need around me to make that happen? You want to do more of the same? Okay, how big is the ecosystem I want to play in? Uh, those kinds of tactical moments, right after my espresso in the morning before I start doing actual work during the day, that's, that's really the, the window I use to kind of think about where else we need to be paying attention. And Eric, along the same lines, uh, just some productivity tips that you'd like to share. What are some uh, tricks or, or avenues you've, you have engaged uh, throughout your career to, to be more productive? Uh, we heard a bit about the morning routine. Any other tips you'd like to share? I am uh, an Outlook uh, and, and Salesforce monsters, as you might assume, uh, given given the role and the number of touch points and, and deep relationships we have. Um, I've got a good memory, uh, I'd like to think, but uh, things need to be memorialized, categorized and organized in order to make sure that they actually get done. They don't just fall on dead ears afterwards. So uh, for me, you know, especially in, in current chair, some kind of CRM to manage uh, our relationships or partners or schedules or actions, things that we promise to do for one another and that we actually do them, uh, important. That, that's about keeping organized 
uh, Outlook, you know, I love folders, I love rules. If I'm, uh, our, our IT team here probably wants to kill me sometimes. I've got you know, a folder for every company we work with and rules that kind of prioritize and organize my inbox and flag things for me so that uh, my, my life uh, is more or less uh, sorted and organized the way I want it uh, to be. Got some great help uh, along the way also. Uh, you and I, I think, uh, rely very heavily on our EAs to exist, show up on time uh, to, to places and make sure that nobody feels uh, like we haven't been responsive to our, our efforts. But you, more than most, uh, I think, also know that it's that people connection uh, that, that makes this work and you can't replace that. So it just becomes how do you get time-oriented activities that suck out the energy and effort from everything else you want to do automated off your plate into somebody else's hands so that you can do what you do best. And uh, I, I love all those tips. I think, I hope uh, they'll be helpful to some of the audience. Uh, now, Eric, from a measuring success perspective, obviously financial metrics are important, but what do you look at uh, in, internally or at a personal level to measure success beyond financial metrics? So uh, that, that's one actually I love to chat about because uh, it's, it's a funny one with the role. Why, why would I care about something else other than dollars showing exactly. up, uh, in the bank account? Uh, and, and frankly, uh, maybe shouldn't admit this in open forum, but the revenue is interesting. It's uh, far from the most important element in the day-to-day. -day. And I, I, I say that because at the end of it, being a good partner uh, can often have a much bigger impact than the dollars and cents that show up on a specific client account or, or customer. Um, for me, looking at the depth and degree of our partnerships is one very critical element of success. Looking at an organization, how many people do we have coverage on? And not just, hey, I met you, uh, we had an email together. It's who do we actually know? Um, that decision maker for our business, uh, critical, uh, obviously, but I think you, you and I also both know this as uh, career professionals. The decision taker can make some decisions on their own, but if you want to keep that decision uh, flowing in your direction longer term, the people who use your product, who do the research for your product, who uh, are operationally involved with your teams, whether it's lawyers, analysts, if it's ETF teams, if it's uh, people who just need to translate a document and aren't necessarily your client, uh, those are also people that need to be in your orbit and maybe not yours specifically as, as the CEO or chief revenue officer of a firm, but certainly somewhere in your sales organization or, or customer service team or operations team need the ability to diversify and deepen those relationships with your most tactical partners. Um, the other thing I love to look at, and Gary, it's something you and I love to do for each other, it's, it's about referrals. Uh, this industry, and I didn't really touch on it, we were chatting about Canada generally, we're a friendly group of people, uh, but we're a friendly group of people for our friends. Uh, that, that willingness to step out on a ledge, do something new, different, challenging, take a, a risk, we're, we're a more moderate culture, uh, I would say, as a, as a, a people. There are elements, don't get me wrong, where we step on the ledge and we have fun. But uh, when we can be connected, introduced with people that we know and trust that are in our orbit, a bit to my point earlier about partners, 
that for me is the most important uh, element of our business and something we spend a lot of time uh, looking at as an organization. How good is our connectivity with our partners that bring business uh, to us? Are they happy? Are we doing what we need to do? Are there any issues? When was our last touch point? These are all things that uh, we'll, we'll take a look at to make sure that we're keeping on top of our partners' needs in the business, not just who's paying the bill. No, and Eric, uh, as you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the relationship building and, and this metrics well beyond the financial metrics. It is uh, so critical to our overall reputation organizationally, but also how we advance well beyond the dollars in a particular deal, because it's, it's all about uh, over the overall performance, not uh, a single transaction. Well, it, it drives change. If you don't talk to people, uh, you are, and I, I keep laughing about it, uh, the smallest things come up in uh, the most harmless and interesting and, and sometimes personal conversations. Uh, those small things, hey, if you did this, that would solve a problem for me. Or do you know somebody who can do that because I'm having a ton of issues over here? That is the ambition uh, with anybody and everybody we, we speak to. Like, where else can we improve and keep improving? And that's what competition does uh, in, in market and, and something that uh, I think we both strive to deliver on on a daily basis. And uh, Eric, I always love to work with people from NEO and there's always a very positive disposition, very congenial. Um, what, what tips do you have for building a strong company culture? Um, the, the single thing that I think has made the largest difference for us uh, as an organization. It's very easy uh, for everybody to uh, look at somebody like you, somebody like me, who's you know, got a, a primary responsibility over the revenue line of our organization. In fact, probably the least impactful uh, on that, that book of business. The people that interact across multiple areas of our business, and, and Gary, you, you know, probably half of our organization as a result. Uh, we're, we're a team of uh, product managers, technology, operations, and, and lawyers that ultimately make our business move together. But our lawyers uh, are as critical to our sales process as, frankly, the sales team trying to hunt and, and find new opportunities. Um, so the idea that everybody in the company, no matter how junior, uh, how new, how recently you joined the firm, all the way through uh, middle management up to senior leadership of the company is ultimately an ambassador of our book of business, the way you speak, uh, the way you share what we do, the way you uh, talk to your, your friends who may talk to other friends about you and, and how you interoperate and work within the company. That philosophy that everybody owns the success of the business longer term, never more critical than especially in the early stages of a business being founded, delivered, and kind of scaled up. And I, I make a point once every month or two to remind our operations teams, operational excellence, can I get to a website and find data? Uh, do we have challenges that we're, we're causing uh, on the street? The fact that we are operationally perfect, it's the most unrewarding role. Nobody you know, really walks out and applauds you for keeping everything running the way you're supposed to. Um, but it means as salespeople, as stewards of the business, 
we get to avoid uh, some of those painful conversations where we have to walk into a room and, and listen to a client say, well, you had these issues last week. Let's talk about those first before we talk about something new and exciting. So operational ex excellence, team ownership over a goal, and, and you know, people being motivated and interested to do it. Uh, ultimately, the, the things that have yielded the best results, the best engagement, and ultimately, I think, a very healthy uh, corporate culture. So you got to take care of your people. That's that's an easy one. Uh, ultimately, everybody has ambitions, dreams, goals. They want to be successful, and success comes in many different forms, fits, and, and finishes. But being able to understand, navigate, introduce, connect uh, people that usually helps satisfy uh, a bunch of those. Firm just doing the right thing uh, by by their employees and associates uh, probably the, the more critical piece of, of the book of business. And uh, I can really appreciate that, Eric. Uh, be, that doesn't change too much. It's almost industry agnostic. So, Eric, uh, one of the things that is critical, especially in the financial industry that's evolving quickly, is how to stay on top of trends in the market. What what do you, what do you do to stay on top of trends? What tips do you have for anyone that also, ha especially in that in the financial industry, that has to stay on top of these trends? Finding, finding your sources uh, and, and well-rounded uh, sources, ultimately uh, a very critical part of the day-to-day uh, -day and actually one of the things that I, I like to do before uh, the morning starts. You got ebbs and flows, right? Times when you need uh, intelligence and you need to ask for it, uh, other times where uh, you ultimately need to be reading and keeping up on things. I've got a few daily morning uh, newsletters, e-blast, to do a quick sweep on uh, social media for some crazy ideas, things that uh, are moving around, maybe things I want to look into further. A uh, few trusted people in each business unit at different levels in their own uh, mission and, and uh, achievements. You look at big companies, they're going to care about very different things than small companies as well. Uh, and, and vice versa is also true. Uh, trends, things that might be uh, popping up in other parts of the business might be far more prevalent in small companies. So you're going to have a, a good uh, kind of ear to the ground uh, around your, your partners, your customers, and those that are front and back uh, of your business to figure out what else is, is coming. Um, and ultimately, people who are adjacent to, but trusted by your, your client base as advisors, I find that the best way uh, to do it, and we, we make a point of talking about it, like what else, what else is top of mind? Pick up the phone, have a phone call, hey, I heard this, what, what's going on? Um, not being afraid to ask. But, Sending emails is tough. And the ecosystem is important, right? To staying on top of uh, trends, and and uh, I can completely appreciate that. So, Eric, obviously, uh, revenue is is uh, critical to to the very role uh, that, that you have within the organization. How do you balance short term revenue targets versus long term strategy? Because sometimes they conflict, right? So, the how do you find that balance? The easiest way uh, I found, like some some things, and this is you know, some of the, the fun with our business, uh, the exchange is a heavily regulated uh, enterprise. So uh, flexibility on uh, fees and, and business, frankly, isn't there. Our fee schedules are disclosed. People have to interact with us in that way. That's that's regulated by the Securities Commission from a fairness of business perspective. It's, it's a core tenant, uh, ultimately, of, of the business. So no side deals, no tide selling, no opportunities really to color outside the lines. Uh, the mission in a, in a sales team 
uh, is ultimately ensuring that we are building a traditional sales funnel. It's about the more connections, the more people, the more partners you work with, the higher the probability uh, something is, is going to get through that funnel into a qualified state that yields a close. Um, frankly, it's, it's also about asking where we can help. Um, we'd be amazed at the number of times where you know, we've got a short-term objective, we know something's coming, client hits a delay. Usually the stock response is great, freed up some room, I'll go focus on something else. But taking a moment to just sit there and say, okay, where did you get stuck? And is there anything I can do? And sometimes the answer is yes. Uh, you know, I need help navigating this part of my documents or this is an issue that was brought to my attention. I need to go and address it. And you can say, yeah, that, that's a real issue. You need some time. Cool. Uh, but that, that why uh, element is, is probably the, the most interesting part of the conversation. Sometimes why can lead to we need to move faster in other areas and maybe that's actually more money for us. The money isn't really the focal point though. It's really about how do we help? Where is this going to be? Can I do anything to help right now? Uh, connect other partners, bring other people in. And that, that referral network kind of gets uh, flying from, from there. We do that a lot. Um, we're putting one other, one other thing on the radar. It's not just helping people 9-4. It's not helping people Monday through Thursday. If we're going to a, a four-day work week, which uh, would, would be interesting uh, in, in our industry, I think, Gary, much like yours, we, we roll 24 by 7. Uh, if somebody picks up the phone on Sunday night and says, hey, I've got a, a deal that needs to get done and we need you guys on the phone, we're there. And, and that ultimately is what drives uh, that, that partnership, that business, that helping people out uh, opportunity. So honestly, I think that's probably the most important piece. Okay. And Eric, I certainly appreciate that, the, the, the ability and the need to be Johnny on the spot, frankly, when you're building this partner. <laughs> and you guys do, do a very good job at it. Um, well, you know this too, Gary. Service is the easiest thing to get right. It's also the easiest thing to screw up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one bad service experience is different than a, a Google page review. Uh, if somebody doesn't like you, Oftentimes they talk a lot more about the stuff they don't like than, hey, 55 other people have had an absolutely amazing time uh, working with you. You don't often hear those positive reviews. Uh, it's the negative stuff that we were always keen uh, to share. Uh, you are extremely right and why we have to be always uh, at our best every time we provide service. All day. So, Eric, we're going to the last portion, and uh, these are one-word rapid-fire questions. So just the first thing that comes mm. to mind as, as we go through it, all right? Uh, what is your favorite word? Hmm. Don't have to overthink it, just whatever comes to mind. <laughs> Partner. I love it. Uh, what word do you hate? It's a, it's a hyphenated word. Win-win. Uh, <laughs> Nothing's ever win-win properly. Uh, it, it kills me sometimes. It's uh, you know, too, too salesy, impersonal. Drives me nuts. Uh, I'll note to myself, never use win-win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what word do you have a hard time pronouncing? Ooh. 
Uh, I don't know that it's a word, but it's one that uh, I hear frequently, operationalization. Uh, it's, it's something that uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not in the dictionary yet, but uh, if the Webster's Dictionary is listening or, or Oxford, I think they have a habit of adding a word a year. Maybe we can toss that one in next year alongside Bling and a few other ones that still don't make sense to me. I, I, I really, I'm really enjoying this. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite word in another language, if you have one? Ooh. You got me beat there, Gary. I didn't see that one coming. I have a few words that I, I would love to share, but uh, for, for our, uh, especially given your audience, I'm going to I'm gonna stop short uh, of comments right. on that one because it's going to get me Perfectly in trouble. Perfectly fine. Uh, Eric, do you speak any other languages? Uh, I used to. Uh, uh, my uh, German uh, was actually in, in phenomenal shape uh, as I was going through high school and, and early university uh, on account of my uh, exchange program uh, capabilities, but that is something that lapsed uh, about 20 years ago and uh, sadly uh, no longer current. So unfortunately at this time, I am a uh, single language uh, human. I can understand French uh, well enough to, to get along and, and converse, but uh, that, that's about as far as I go for the time being. Don't worry, that's why we're your partners. You, you don't... <laughs> The language can be, uh, we can be bridging that at any given time. So, oh, don't I know it? We'll put you on uh, every meeting we do, and I'll speak English, <laughs> and you can throw it into one of 15 different languages uh, for me as, as needed. I can't wait. And the final one word uh, answer, Eric, uh, what is uh, one word to describe yourself by? Personable. And I very much agree with that. Uh, Gary, this is tough. One word answers for uh, a guy whose you know, ultimate uh, modus operandi is, is both talk and, and listen uh, and understand. That's, uh, that's a tricky one. Well, and and uh, it's, it was by design because uh, it's, it challenges to, to distill and distill quickly. That's why they're rapid fire questions. So. I love it. I love Eric, it. Next time, uh, we'll have to bring some little pictures and do a Rorschach test. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, now we have our plan for next time. Come on. Eric, I, I really appreciate your time today, and I think this has been great for the audience. Uh, the uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I'd love to. Because you're so personal, because you're out there so much, so many people know you there. They're like, I want to know more about Eric. I want to learn a bit more, and this is a great way to do it. Well, Gary, thank you very much for uh, for having me. As, as always, really enjoy uh, the, the conversation and uh, looking forward to an, an in-person espresso uh, soon enough. And we will arrange that in short order. Thanks again, Eric.